Happy New Year to you from me. It's wonderful to see you all. We're going to spend the next two weeks in a little extended time out from our study in the book of John, and we're going to look at 2 Timothy 4 together. Would you go there? Because this is the beginning of our 75th year as a church. And so while we say happy and happy uh, first of January to you, we say happy anniversary to our church all year long, and that's why Pastor Steve put together the, the calendars for us. So uh, we hope that you enjoy those. Second Timothy chapter 4. Some of you have asked, uh, what do I do? It's January 1st, but I still have some worship to do by way of giving to the Christmas offering. You can still do that. You can, uh, that's open, and uh, you can give towards that end today. And if you've written your checks of worship unto that end or anything to the church, and they're predated January, predated from today, they'll certainly account for last year. You can do that today as we continue on. You know, we've had three saved in the last two months. All of them have been children in our homes. I hope you pray. I hope you pray for that. Um, certain authors tell us that 70% of the conversions in our world that happen today are children under 10 years old. They simply understand who Jesus is. The older we get, the more complex we make him. But we praise God uh, for that. And this morning we celebrate an adult that's been saved through baptism in just a few moments together. I want to publicly thank those of you who helped us uh, be able to worship uh, in safety um, when the weather was a little bit interesting the last couple weeks. Thank you for that. You know who you are. Many of you did not know that we are on the precipice of canceling our Christmas morning service because the church was without power. <laughs> and uh, it came on a little bit at a time because of some diligent efforts of folks here. And last Sunday morning was a wonderful morning together. And so we thank you uh, for that as well. All right? There are a lot of our folks still traveling those who could not do Christmas with their families last week took this past week to do so. And tomorrow's, on, tomorrow's actually the national holiday. I guess we celebrate the first on the second tomorrow. Uh, so however that works, I guess you all enjoy another day off of work. But they're taking advantage of that for travel. So please remember to pray for our church family uh, as they travel. And uh, I know they would appreciate that very much. For those of you who are newer to our church, Next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, uh, as the seminars begin, we will also pick up uh, and continue the New Connections Fellowship as well. So if you're newer to Grace and you want to find out a little bit more about us at 9 o'clock in the back uh, fellowship room, we'll be there to find you. You can look for us in the hallway, look for me. I run that fellowship and we'll be glad to get to know you a little bit better for a few weeks and then you can enter into a seminar class of that you wish, but it's a really relaxed time, intentional though, where we get to know each other pretty well, okay? All right, you know, Queen Elizabeth passed away, many of you, I guess it was the most watched television event, her funeral proceedings in, in history. Uh, apparently over two billion people joined in and watched. She reigned for 70 years and 214 days. It was the longest of any 
British monarch in the longest verified reign of any female monarch in history. It's worth celebrating the tenure of something or someone good, isn't it? The long-lasting nature of something good means that it was established on virtue and that that virtue was nurtured. That's what we intend to do this year, all year long. You may have picked up your calendars that indicate when and where and how that we'll celebrate that which is virtuous in a spiritual sense and then how we nurture that which is virtuous going forward. Everything from reigns of queens and kings to pieces of literature that endure in time do so because they've been established upon some core principles and then maintenanced with certain aspects of care. The church is the same way. Jesus said, upon this rock, myself, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And in reality, the church endures because Jesus ensures that it does. But she endures with honor because she's also willing to do that which the Lord who is building her has asked her to do. So how will Grace Church endure for the next 75 years as it, as it has faithfully endured for the previous 75? Well, we'll do so by continuing to obey all of God's word. As Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, as he spent three years night and day with them in tears, he said, making sure that they knew, understood, and were able to apply the whole of God's revealed will in his word. Someone has said the future is as bright as the promises of God. So our future at this church is as bright as ever because the promises of God are sure and we seek to know and to preach them and to live them and help each other apply them. Thomas Manton was a Puritan. He said this, faith that receives grace returns glory. Faith that receives grace returns glory. A faith that embraces the commands and promises of God does so by the grace of God alone. And when it does, the church ensures herself of a bright future unto the glory of God. We've enjoyed a bright and promising 75 years. The Lord will ensure our bright and promising future as we seek to embrace his promises and, and obey his commands. And as a pastor, when you want to immediately know how to shepherd the church well and ensure its vibrant future, well, you really want to study the life of Christ to be sure and how he shepherded. And in our time then, you specifically, after you study his life, look at three particular books in the New Testament. And that's the pastoral epistles. First and Second Timothy and Titus. Thirteen chapters in all that really tell us how to bring glory to the Lord by utilizing the grace that he's given us in Christ to embrace his promises and obey his commands as a church should. 
These are, again, three small letters written by Paul to two pastors who shepherded two churches at Ephesus and Crete. The church has been established. She has been given divine promises. And by the middle of the first century, she needed guidance regarding her existence and her future. So the Holy Spirit does just that through the hand of Paul to these two young men. There's an interesting study by a fellow named John Battle, based largely off the work, uh, the Greek work of Daniel Wallace, regarding the commands given in the pastoral epistles. It's a good read if you like to go deeper into Scripture in this way. In those small three letters, in those 13 chapters, there are 90 commands. 43 in 1 Timothy, 14 in Titus, and 33 in 2 Timothy. There are generally two types of commands in these letters. They're called present imperatives. These are the commands that are immediately and continuously obeyed to establish the foundation and practice of the church. Then there are aorist imperatives. If you don't know Greek language and terminology, that's okay. These are the ones that are given more as a one-time command to nurture that which has been immediately and continuously established in the present imperatives. 95% of the 43 commands in 1 Timothy are present imperatives that Paul gives Timothy to set the foundation of the church. Only two commands, 5%, are aorist. Those that are one-time nurturing commands of that which has been established. On the other hand, 52% of the 33 commands given in 2 Timothy are present imperatives, and Paul gives Timothy, that Paul gives Timothy to set the foundation of the church. Okay. But 16 of those 33 commands, 38%, are those which are given to nurture that which has been established. All of the verbs in 2 Timothy chapter 4 are verbs of nurturing. And that makes sense because chapter 4 really captures Paul's final words before his death. Timothy needed this nurturing reminder as he sought to oversee the bright future of Ephesus. Just noticing the flow of the commands and their placement does much to inform our hearts, my heart, pastor's hearts, about how to endure and maintain the next 75 years of Grace Church of Mentor's existence. Today and next week, we're going to consider a handful of the nurturing that needs to be done in support of that which has been commanded by way of establishment and safety and structure of the New Testament church. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to highlight for you these verbs of nurturing, things that must be done to underpin and care for that which Paul has asked Timothy and Titus to establish, specifically here Timothy at Ephesus, protect and to nurture that which has been established. The first one is found in verse 2. It's not a present active imperative, it's an aorist. Preach the word. Some of you that are familiar with your Bibles, you might have thought, wow, that should have been a present active imperative. Well, hang on, we're going we're to study why 
It's an heiress. But the church is nurtured. She's comforted. She's ensured that that which has been established by way of direct command will be maintenanced and cared for when this command is honored and done. Preach the word. As a matter of fact, there's three verbs that support this main verb of preach the word, and they're also in the aorist. You're to preach the word and be ready to preach it. And in that preaching, you're to reprove and you're to rebuke. All three of those are also verbs of nurturing. Things that are done in application that preserve for us that which has been established in the church by obeying those present active imperatives. And you're to be ready and reprove and rebuke. So qualifiers here with all long-suffering and doctrine. Well, the main verb there is preach the word. Now, in verse 9, in verse 21, you have two other verbs of nurturing that are related they're separated in the text, but they're related. Paul says here to Timothy, make every effort to come to me soon. And in verse 21, he says, make every effort to come before the cold months and the rainy months. Come to me before winter. The next verb of nurturing is in verse 11. Verse 11. Why don't you make sure that you pick up Mark, John Mark, and, and bring him with you because he's useful for me in ministry. Pick up Mark. And then in verse 13, there's a verb of nurturing here and protecting that which has been established. Bring me three things. Bring me three things. Bring the cloak, bring the books, and bring the parchments. Bring the cloak, bring the book, the books, and bring the parchments. So we're going to take the next two weeks to go over these verbs in chapter 4 of nurturing that would ensure us a bright and promising next 75 years here at Grace Church of Menor as we celebrate our 75th all year long. Preach the word, verse 2. You see that there, right? Preach the word, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready, reprove, rebuke, exhort all aorists with patience and instruction. There are 18 times that Paul encourages Timothy in both First and Second Timothy to be a student of the Word of God. Overall, there are 37 examples of Paul commanding Timothy, teaching him by way of command how to personally and publicly study and handle God's Word in these two short letters. So certainly it's a central topic of the pastorals. Pastors are to be student theologians of the scriptures. They're not to be a mile wide and an inch deep in their knowing and understanding, preaching, and applying of the word. 
there to be a mile wide and a mile deep of all those things. But in verse 2, what you would expect, again, to be a present imperative is actually a command of nurturing. Preaching is to commence at the beginning and nurture the church throughout the tenure of a pastor's ministry. The word preach literally means to announce or to herald or to proclaim. Since 1948, we've had a history of good preaching here. We fully intend to nurture what's been established through the teaching and preaching of God's word for the next 75 years or until the Lord Jesus appears to take us home. It's also important to notice here the how and the why of the content of preaching, which are also, as we've already said, in the aorist. Be ready. It just simply means to be instant or to be immediate. Let the proclamation of God's word be that which is first in line to address what needs to be heard by the flock. Really let it be first in line. So when we're burdened, when we're hurting, when there's conflict, even when there's rejoicing, our human tendency is to grab anything that we can to bring off the shelf, to, put our, to lay our eyes upon, to help us. And Paul's saying here, no, let it be the heralding of God's word. That's first. That's immediate. Because it is that which ensures that which has been given to us. It, it ensures the continuance of that which has been established. And the preaching of God's word is actually meant to expose error and to convict our hearts. That's what the word reprove means. You never would think that such strong words like reprove and rebuke would be words of nurturing, right? When you discipline your children, I hope you discipline them by the use of these words, right? I'm doing this because I what? I love you, right? I tried to refrain using the next phrase that my parents used with me, because I never thought it was true. The next thing my dad would always say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I don't know that that was ever true. <laughs> but that's what the verb means, and it sounds rather harsh, but it's spiritually intentional, isn't it? But it's, it's a nurturing verb. It's it's something that's to be done in each and every sermon to make sure that which has been established is nurtured for years to come. And it's to rebuke. This word simply means to censure or to sternly warn or sometimes some things have to be denounced that have arisen among the flock that are very dangerous to its existence and need to be exposed to ensure the church can be cared for and nurtured for the next 75 years. But we want to do that with patience, right? The word patience here, long-suffering, is not the normal word you'd think was for patience. It's not about enduring under trials or enduring with steadfastness. It just means simply patience with people. Patience with people. 
No pastor in his right mind wants to be ready and to reprove and to rebuke, seeking to cancel anyone from the culture of the church. He wants to do so with patience and long-suffering, giving people the opportunity for the Spirit of God that indwells them to bring them to their spiritual senses so that unity can be maintenanced and the gospel can be proclaimed both from the pulpit and from the people that exist in this church. And folks, we don't ever want to lessen the nature of preaching here or the amount of times that the word of God is proclaimed. As a matter of fact, in 2023, we're going to have more public proclamation of the word of God than we've ever had in our 75-year history. Every Wednesday night, 52 weeks a year, we're going to have a Bible exposition and then 30 minutes of prayer. We've never had that here. We never had that on Sunday nights because we had a lot of Sunday nights where we were out reaching our lost friends or fellowshipping and we had some holidays off. Well, you know what? We don't, we don't take Wednesday nights off here unless the weather asks us to. We're going to have 52 expositions of God's word on Wednesday nights and then 30 minutes of prayer time together. May we always remember the, the preaching is nurturing and nurturing the church is preaching. The more we can avail ourselves to its practice and to the listening of it, the healthier we become for the next seven and a half decades. I think it's so important to notice that these commands of nurturing are given in what was probably Paul's last letter and certainly last few words of his physical life on this earth. Paul knew his time was short. Look at verses six and seven. You're familiar with these if you know your Bibles for any certain amount of time. Paul says, for I am being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. This is not a departure from a city or a home. This is his departure from this earth. I fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. And in the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So as we focus and sharpen our pencil on these final few verbs of nurturing here in the remainder of the chapter this week and next, uh, let's remember that that these, uh, these words are written with life-ending passion. Some of you have had the privilege of being around your godly parents or grandparents in their last hours of life. And some of you have been with them when they could actually be aware in those last few hours of life. And, and if they were... They would either be asked or often take advantage of that lucidity in those final few hours and they would share what they felt was most important for their family members to remember. And why would they give those most important words? Because they wanted to nurture in those family members' lives that which had been spiritually established for decades of time possibly. Just remember these things, kids, grandkids, great grandkids. Embrace these things. Don't forget these things. 
I get that you get the main things, but this is about nurturing and maintenancing those main things. Don't ever forget this. Pay attention to preaching. And don't forget your personal care of one another. Don't ever forget your personal care for one another. He says in verse 9 and verse 21, make every effort to come to me soon and make sure you do so before winter. Consider who's not with Paul in this text and why. Verse 10, Demas, he left Paul having loved this present world, possibly a man that was a professing Christian but not a confessing Christian. In other words, he never knew the Lord even though he knew the gospel well. Scary thing for Demas. But nonetheless, he left Paul. He deserted him and went to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia. These are folks that continue to walk with the Lord. Titus to Dalmatia, and only Luke is with me. You know, pastors are just people. Pastors hurt like sheep hurt. Shepherds hurt like sheep hurt. And I really believe that's what Paul's simply saying here. These people meant the world to him. Demas, who left him, deserted him, meant the world to him. These other folks, and others mentioned at the end of the chapter, meant the world to him. The nurturing of his ministry in large part came from the nurturing of that which has been established in his own life and that which he had established in churches he had planted. The nurturing of that came from the people of God that he had won to Christ and that he had shepherded. And he could not nurture well without them. That's why there's some passion in this verb. Do everything you possibly can sacrifice everything you possibly can to come and see me i need you do so before winter folks you have done a great job taking care of your pastors here who oversee you in the teaching and the preaching of god's word we notice in this text that this Care is both personal and it's practical. Why come before winter? Well, how many of you take some time mid to late fall to prepare your homes for things like last weekend? Everyone always prepares for the cold times. There was a lot of practical things that Paul needed in order to survive the winter, even though he, was, he knew he was in his last days. This is personal and practical. You folks do this well. I would ask you to cross-reference in the margin of your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 here, as we wrap up this morning. Paul says in verse 12, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and that give you instruction. 
and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work and do so by living in peace with one another. As they have taught you, basically he's saying in verse 14, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everybody. Cross-reference in the margin of your Bible also, Galatians chapter 6. In verses 6 through 10. Words also written by the Apostle Paul. The one who is taught in the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. Now this is a text that I think you need to understand in this context because often we hear these two verses detached from one another. So sharing with the person who teaches you Sharing with them practically as they have taught you doctrinally and, and theologically and, and so forth and so on. is connected with, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's one Greek paragraph, my friends. So Paul's saying here, if you are going to sow sparingly in the practical care for your pastors, and to one another, that's really an indication of whether you're truly born again or not. But a flock that's born again and spirit-filled and understands the word of God is going to make sure that the flock is cared for in a very practical sense. And you folks do that really well, so praise God. But remember, we're talking about things that ensure the integrity and the function of the church for decades to come. Take care of each other. Continue to do so on the heels of preaching consistently. We'll pick this up next week. It's in verse 11, and we'll just state it and conclude for this morning. Continue to learn to forgive one another. Continue to learn to forgive one another. That's going to be a, a central virtue, a central practice to making sure this body exists for the next 75 years as healthy as she has for the previous 75 years. All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you so much for the simplicity and the clarity of the word of God, which is therefore doctrine for reproof for correction and righteousness that we all might be matured unto Christ's likeness by it as we begin this new year by celebrating a wonderful diamond anniversary of existence we celebrate your faithfulness by your grace seen through us as we seek to embrace your promises and obey your commands 
They're given to us in your word. May our hearts stay open to the understanding of these truths as we meditate upon them this week and seek to conclude them next week and move on to live them in the months and years ahead as you tarry. In Christ's name, amen. All right, let's sing together.